Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Ask a Deaf Doula. My name is Suzanne O'Brien. Today we have a very special guest, Rev Misty. She is a amazing person. She is a speaker, author, and she's a forgiveness expert. And you might say, what is a forgiveness expert? So we're going to explain that today. And for you, those of you who know me and my work in doula givers, forgiveness is a huge part of our program and helping people to move through forgiveness on all levels before they die. And we also talk about that in the doula givers life class that forgiveness is really is the key, one of the major keys, if not the major key to life and to having a full life. So I'm gonna introduce you to Reverend Misty and we are going to listen to her journey and how magical it's been and also give you some really useful tips on how you can learn forgiveness, the importance of it and um, help your life moving forward to be so much better. So welcome Reverend Misty. I am so excited to be here. I wanna thank you so much for inviting me and to let me talk about my favorite subject okay. and at such an important time in someone's life. So thank you so much. Well, you are very welcome. I, again, was blown away when you called me, and I remember exactly when you called me where I was. <laughs> I have this photographic kind of memory. Talking to you and you explaining that you work in forgiveness and you have a course in it, you teach it, and you speak about it all over, and I said I love that because forgiveness is what we, we teach and it's so important. So you really you know, had my heart at that, but again, you go so into depth with it. So the first thing that we all wanna know, including myself, is how did this present itself to you where you thought to build mostly like a platform around just forgiveness? How did that begin for you? Well, um, ultimately I was in seminary and I had every intention of being, um, doing something in hospice, whether it be chaplain type work, something like that. Um, death and dying is so deep and near and dear to my heart. Um, but you know, when you make a lot of plans, God laughs. Mm -hmm. And um, I had been out of seminary probably about six months. And my mother had passed away while I was in seminary. And um, she had Alzheimer's. And I was kind of taking a little breather from all that school and all that. And I didn't come into this world alone. Just let me tell you that I was not alone. I came in with another human. And his, his name is Glenn. He was my twin brother. But um, just because you're twins does not mean that you have to like each other much. Sure. And he, he was a difficult human. And in, in my book, The Forgiveness Solution, I talk about our rough upbringing. You know, we had alcoholic parents and all the craziness that goes with that. But you usually, some people kind of fall back into that, that same time of upbringing. Mm -hmm. And some people choose to like move as far away from it. And that's exactly what I had done. And he was a really difficult human. Like I even use the word jerk often. He was pretty much a, a jerk. Um, and I used to think that when that man dies, I'm not going to miss him. And that's the big misconception about grief lots of times, right? Well, um, ultimately, unfortunately, he took his own life. Mm. And I remember the moment I got the phone call. And I was devastated. And I didn't know what to do because I still had anger, pain, and um, 
unfulfilled expectations of who he was supposed to be to me. You know, he wasn't just a brother. He was my twin brother. Wasn't he supposed to be my best friend? We were best friends when we were young. We protected each other from the craziness that we had to endure. But ultimately, my unfulfilled expectations led to the anger, pain, and sadness that I carried. So not only did I really need to grieve the person I wanted him to be, but I had to also grieve the person that he was. And in that, I knew forgiveness was a piece of that. But I didn't really get it because ultimately, you know, I, I graduated from seminary. I thought I really understood this forgiveness thing. I was pretty shiny. At least I thought I was. And ultimately, all major religions and society agree we should forgive. We should let it go. The problem is no one tells us how. Exactly. I needed the how. Oh, desperately so. I needed the how. And um at that moment, I set on a deep research program, and I really thought this was just for me. I really thought this was going to be something just for me. And I used to work in both corporations and in, in a lot of medical stuff and also clinically, and I really love algorithms. And an algorithm is simply a step-by-step -step process to solve a problem. Well, unforgiveness was my problem and I needed it solved. So I, I literally started at the top of the paper, my story, and with an arrow at the bottom, forgiveness. And I filled in the middle. Well, I did a, a little talk in my, literally my neighborhood, and it was packed. And I, it was a moment of clarity. So many people were desperate for the how, and oh, yeah. that's how how this journey started. Yeah, and how old were you when your brother passed? Um, 40, 48, 40, right before, I, was, I think 49, I think 49, yeah. And yeah. I think, it, you know, it's such an important point to make is that people say, well, just forgive them. Haven't you forgiven them? And it's not that, oh, I forgive you. It's not a word. It's It's a whole process. It's a whole action. And it is a very hard and people don't know the how. They don't know how to do it. Sometimes they want to, but they don't know even how to tap into that and to let go. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. In my course, I do feel like at the end of life, there's something organic spiritually that's on our mm. side. So there's something that allows us to have a safer environment to be able to lift and clear sometimes, not always by the way, but I've been with so many people that there is where people are holding on to that anger, holding on to sadness, regret, um, and usually it's tied in with this whole forgiveness thing. And it's forgiveness of others and it's forgiveness of self. Mm. And people forget that forgiveness of self is the more difficult thing to do, usually. And also they don't know that forgiveness, you don't have to see the person, you don't have to you know, have any interaction with them, they don't even have to be alive anymore that you can still process. Um, but it's an action. And again, it's interesting to see it at the end of life that there's some safe energy sometimes around the person that they say, ah, oh, now I understand. And they can release that anger, that sadness, whatever was attached to that non-forgiving. And it changes everything. The energy is completely different now. We want to be able to tap into that magic now why we're living right and i always say i don't know one person that does not have forgiveness to give or forgiveness to receive probably multiples right. but so, Multiple. yeah. probably multiples and that's okay well, I usually, I usually say anybody over the age of 12 has a forgiveness issue. Um, 
you know, because that's about the age of insight where we kind of start judging ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't fit in all of a sudden. We have expectations of others, and which is, by the way, totally normal. You know, expectations, we, we scream them everywhere. But I agree with you that at end of life, the, the person who is, um, is, is leaving is, uh, can be more ready. It's, it's, like an, it's like this amazing moment, right? But there's also the family members mm -hmm. that have anger, pain, and unfulfilled expectations of that person. And so when I work with hospice, um, I actually train hospice, social workers, doctors, nurses, aides, chaplains on my actual algorithm, how to help a patient. But it's also how to help the family member. And there's great studies to prove mm -hmm. that if the unforgiveness issue is taken care of before the person passes, um, or even right after, with both the person or the family member that the person who is passing has a better quality of life at end of life yeah. and the people who are left behind have a better grief experience and that i mean that can't be more powerful because um, i also am a grief recovery expert and when um when somebody is grieving it's it's i always say it's like when a woman is in labor you can never tell another woman what that's going to be like because it, it's something you can't describe. It's something you have to go through. Grief is that same thing. Deep grief of somebody close to you. It, it, you don't understand why the mail's being delivered and the people are going to the bank and having birthdays. Don't they understand a national tragedy just happened and you can't get yourself up off the floor. So anything to help with that I'm like, let's do this. Let's help get through that and all yeah. the lessons from it. Right. Yeah. And also for me, this is it. You know, if we don't do it now, we're never really going to have the, the opportunity like it's presenting itself. You know, right. You can work even after somebody passes, you can work on it. But there's nothing as wonderful as the exchange for both people of, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I love you. And having that be released for everybody. It's just amazing. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your algorithm and forgiveness. And I know it's probably subjective and different for everybody because you can't tell somebody who is feeling a pain and a guilt of 10 from something that you perceive not to be that important of a, you can't tell them it's not a 10. It's a 10. It's a 10 for them. Everybody owns their own feelings. I mean, they're how we process them and how we react to things. It's, it is very personal. And, um, but you can, um, have, have you ever met anyone that is going through something that you have gone through? Whatever it is, there's a look that you each can give each other of pure knowing and understanding. So we can understand another person's pain. We really can. We check it in with our own past experiences. So um, in the algorithm, it starts out with your story, your story. And in that story, and I, I have people come at it with the facts, just give me the facts. Right. We tend to get off in the weeds. And uh, many times we, um, while we're telling our story, we're also telling what we, what we wanted to happen. Yeah, you know, we, 
Yeah. yeah, we we run things from our heart to our head and they're only 14 inches apart and we bounce them back and forth and we try to be logical, but then it hits our heart and bounces back up and it gets kind of messy. So I walk through how to write your story, right, and how to keep it brief. And then when you are going through your story, it's important to kind of pull out the facts and then you can then go from there and talk about expectations. Now, expectations, I think I talk more about expectations than I do the word forgiveness because um, I talk about reframing and shifting mm -hmm. and understanding what expectations really are. And mm -hmm. again, totally normal. We all do it. Yeah. We have expectations of every single person we meet, <laughs> that we talk to, and um, the problem is they don't know what our expectations are and also their expectations of the situation come from a different frame, right? Yeah. A different picture, their belief systems. And I talk about how you get your beliefs and all of that, that frames your expectations of what you think and how something should go. And there's nothing more frustrating when you see somebody, um, not living up to their potential and their everything and making bad choices. Somebody that you love, right? And you want to sit them down and you kind of want to shake them and say, wake up, don't you understand? But the problem with that is it is your expectation of what they should do. Guess what? You're probably right. That's the other piece I talk a lot about, being right. Um, we are programmed to be right. And it is hard when we see somebody doing something different from what we agree to be right. So I walk people all through that, what that really means, what that looks like in the story. And then um, I talk about, and, um, it, and you can get my algorithm, anybody can get this, it's right, it's right in my book, um, but I talk about preparing to forgive. Mm -hmm. um, so when you pick up unforgiveness, it's really rare that that happens instantly, right? Um, it usually happens over time. I personally love smoldering resentment. I had smoldering resentment towards most of my family, most of my life. And um, again, I probably wasn't wrong about most of my smoldering resentment. I had valid reasons to be hurt. Um, but I talk about um, preparing to put that down, what that means, um, whether it be going to a counselor, talking to a dear friend, writing a letter um, to yourself, by the way, <laughs> don't ever send those, <laughs> um, um, praying and um, bringing your faith into it, um, just really how to prepare to forgive. It is, it is very important. And then also what forgiveness really is and is not. Now this is big because we have so many myths and misconceptions of what forgiveness really is. You know, if I forgive, that means they're going to do it again, more or less. I condone and I'm walking them back in. No, that's not the case at all. If I forgive, it's letting them out of consequences. Nope, not, nope, not that either. And um, I, I go through all those different things. And my very favorite myth and misconception is that you're supposed to forgive and forget. Well, last time I checked, human beings and elephants, we don't forget very well. It, it, and there's a good reason for that. And I talk about that a lot. It's our safety mechanism. 
-hmm. You know, it, it, you don't want to forget being bit by a giant lion because you'll just walk right back up to that lion again. And he's, yeah. guess what? Going to bite you every time. So there's really good reasons. These are life lessons. Yeah. And um, ultimately, I talk about what life is on forgiveness. Like it's an actual tool we've been given that we can use daily, whether you're at a restaurant and you get really bad service mm -hmm. or whether your mother-in-law is kind of irritating and, and she's kind of cutting and she says things that hurt your feelings or if you grew up in a really rough place and you had abuse and it I mean really tough stuff and how to use forgiveness to have a health healthier happier life yeah so um my girlfriend was here this weekend because we were doing the reimagined festival opener and we were discussing forgiveness and we were discussing you know, um, analogies to it. And a girl who friend who's a life coach was saying, it's like a, a beach ball that you're trying to keep constantly underwater. Yes. She, my girlfriend here is like, it's like a 50 pound backpack that you're just carrying. It's just like when you can really go through the process of forgiveness and get rid of it, you are so much lighter. And it's so very, very true. So you touched on a minute ago about really deep um, issues. And so let's mm -hmm. talk about that for a minute, because there are people, because again, dealing with so many people, at the end of life. Um, also, I want to talk to you about the connection between unforgiveness and illness. But let's mm, that's so good. Yeah. So good. So the, the deep, deep trauma that is really hard to even acknowledge, because I feel like when you're saying the facts in the very beginning, your algorithm, the facts, and I just wanted to it's really, isn't it true that we have to, we have to speak our truth yes. to be able to get mm -hmm. it in front of us first, yes. but some of us can't even get to that truth because deep trauma gets denied, compartmentalized, um, put away in places. Sometimes it's very hard to tap into. So what is a technique to really be able to go down deep and, and pull it up? Right. And, and that can be so multifaceted because, first of all, if you're at a place where you're saying, I would like to truly not think about that anymore ever again, um, if I would like to feel better, right? So at least right there, you're admitting that there's something, sure. something that you want to deal with. But when there's deep trauma, um, people need to really seek professionals that help do that. But it has to do with owning your truth and being in a safe place. Now, I, I love 20-something-year-olds and, and younger. I love them. I have many of them in my own life. But we're really good when we're younger at pushing things away because we get busy with life. And I notice, and um, I'm in my 50s, and I can tell you that as you get older, it's not as easy to push those aside, move those over, right? It's things start getting to us a little bit more. And our actions um, are a result of us. We make many decisions from, from having deep pain. So your question really comes down to, is somebody ready to at least look at it? Mm -hmm. Right? And so I address in the prepare piece about different ways to look at it different ways to come at it that's most comfortable for you. Um, I know people who the last place they would ever go is to a therapist. Um, they're better reading, writing, um, uh, any, any, many different things, taking nature walks and finding that moment 
right? So it there's it's as unique to each person as there are people about how we do stuff. In, in my opinion, that we all we all get there. It just sometimes it's, a, you know, I try to make it a little shorter route, right? I just think also when children are traumatized, mm. it's a survival mechanism. They yes, I yes, I, and that's where I came from. Yeah. Um, you know, I. I don't want to give away too much in case somebody actually wants to read the book, but, oh, yeah, yeah, but my, sure. but you know, I, I actually had people say to me, um, I had no idea. First of all, I, I had no idea. And I said, Oh good. I did my job. So in, in my story, there is some pretty graphic situations. Now, the one thing I don't, I tell you in the book that, that my brother was an alcoholic, but he was also a rageaholic. And, but I also dealt with that within my own home. Um, but from the outside, our house looked great. You know, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom was vivacious and beautiful and talented and um, how I found blessings still in there. Believe me, you, you still do. And, but at the same time, my brother had suffered both sexual abuse and um, physical abuse, more physical and sexual abuse than I did, like much more. And um, his way to deal with it was so unhealthy. And I, you know, so I don't talk about that um, often, um, except for in my, in, my, in my trainings and stuff I do, but to the general public, I'm not gonna do that, right? But ultimately, um, I still wanted him to change. Um, I, right. And there's a really good study um, that talks about forgiveness in America and what we need to forgive. It's from the Fetzer, Fetzer Institute. Um, and it really asks people, hey, how do you feel about forgiveness? Do you think it's a good idea? And great news, 60% of us really do. We really want to forgive. We want to, quote, let it go, both in our personal life and our community. But the problem is they followed up with some further questions. And they said, what do you need to forgive? And they said, I need an apology. I need the people to change. I need the world to change. I need, it was just amazing. And, right, it's not going to happen. And ultimately, that is what I wanted. I wanted my brother to get a clue. Um, change and oh by the way tell me he was so wrong and I was so right and he was sorry and unfortunately um, I, I you know I never got to have the conversation that really should have happened and I talk about that in the book what a good apology really looks like um, I really needed to apologize to him for all that I had done and had, you know, before he passed and before I went on my forgiveness journey, I would have never, I would have said, no, you don't understand. You don't know what he did. You don't know. So we all hold those deep, you don't knows deep in our soul. You know, so many of the things are, it's just like talking about love and unconditional love mm -hmm. and having no judgment. And it's really super hard, especially when there's layers. And I think for you, because you're a twin, because you were exposed to the same childhood and you took different paths, gives you even an extra layer of, come mm -hmm. on, like, yeah. let's do it. 
Yeah. Um, and it's so funny. So let's go back to expectations for a minute because I think this is so important. You're so right with, it's almost, and I don't want to say that we should ask for forgiveness, but there is a part hmm. of this because we have expectations on others that are our view of what they're supposed to be. Right. Right. Expectations is a form of judgment. Yes. Expectations is a form of judgment. And um, when I say that in my trainings, and I say it many times, your expectation is a form of judgment. And people will, I'm not going to judge them. I'm unconditional. And I'm like, oh, no, you're not. <laughs> and I said, yeah, 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 yeah. I said, no, but you are upset and you hurt because you know they could be better humans and you want to love them you love them so much you want them to be better right mm -hmm. but the but the problem is this is their path their choices their their path literally their path their road um with their mistakes their whatever and even when we have children when they're young they're born and we're thinking doctor lawyer and sometimes by the time they're teenagers we're thinking we hope they're law-abiding citizens i mean you know things change and it and it comes from our deep need to be right and to make things safe for ourselves how we view how our life should look like. And by the way, you have the right to pick how your life should look like. You absolutely do. You have the right for boundaries. Um, you put a fence around your life and you are the gatekeeper. You get to let people in and out in a loving way. And, and with expectations, I talk a lot about apologies um, because we're waiting for that apology right but really an apology has no but in it like you know we've all had them I'm sorry you made me mad or you know I wouldn't have done that but you right all those things when really that's not what apology is so um, ultimately my apologies to my brother should have been um, you know Glenn I know you went through so much pain and heartache and even more abuse than I did and I am so deeply sorry. My heart hurts for you. I want to apologize for my actions that I know for a fact hurt you. I talked about you behind your back. I made sure that everybody knew how bad you were so that they would view me as good. And I am deeply, deeply sorry. Now, the other piece of an apology that I think we forget the most is the making amends. It requires an action. So at the end of the apology, you, you need to also say, and I choose to, quote, never do that again, um, to catch myself, um, to work on my heart, um, to be a better human. Um, if it's a money situation, I want to make amends, I want to pay you back, um, all that thing. So I go through all of that so that we can understand that. And by the way, if I would have been able to have that joyful time and be able to apologize to my brother, that doesn't mean that um, with forgiveness, he would have been coming over for Sunday dinner. Let's clearly be that in my guidelines, he, but it would have opened a conversation. And let me ask you, do you think that would have been more healing for him also? I would hope so. Yeah, I can tell you that I bet his whole life and I get teary every time that he always felt less than 
Yeah. And at, and that moment he would have felt heard or he, yeah. a validation of his yeah. pain, right? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely beautiful. Um really really powerful uh the boundaries, you know, and you talked about this. I think that we only can make choices and have expectations about our lives. Right. Not about anyone else's, not even about your parents. I mean, you know what the ideal mother and the ideal father and the white picket fence looks like. I don't even know if it exists, but anyway, that's okay. But we are putting that expectation on our parents, even though, yeah, as kids, we want, we can hurt when it's not there and mm -hmm. when they're falling short. But to, you know, say, I'm sorry as an adult that I judged you for not being the mother that I wanted you to be, that for whatever reason you weren't able to be. That's on us. Yeah, it is on us. It is on us. There's a big yes. part on us. Yes, it's on her right. too, but there's a big part on us. And I think the other thing that's very amazing is that two people in the same experience have very different stories. Right. Yeah, because we're yeah, we all have different views of, of everything, right? It's like yeah. the telephone game, right? We all it all yeah. comes across differently. And um, the other piece, and it, I hope my brain can connect right now. My other piece that I wanted to bring up, and, and you hit on it briefly, had to do with when people are horrible, like when when they do really horrible things, right? Um, empathy, and I talk about this because, and and you ha there's a point where you can get to the empathy. It's it's not right at the beginning, not when you're still wanting to be right. You have to reframe your expectations. You have to all these different things, right? And I talk about, you know, trying to understand the other person. Um, I was able in writing my story, able to see my brother's addictions, um, see his mental health issues, to see his abuse differently, um, to know that his abuse was worse than I, mine was, all of that. His, he was bullied in high school, a um, whole bunch of things. All of a sudden, I had deep empathy for this human. And I guarantee you, when I was in my really rough, he needs to apologize, he needs to change, he needs to stop drinking, he needs to be nice, he all that, there was no way empathy even had a chance. Sure. But, but, it, but when you re-examine the story, and sometimes, and you mentioned earlier, how do you get to that deep place, right? Is if you've been abused, is to imagine that abuser as, as, a, as a child. Absolutely. And then also, if you can, if it's, a, if it's a situation where you could possibly understand their upbringing, what happened to them, that makes a difference. And I, I had to do that with my mom. Um, you know, my mom was a, oh, goodness, she was an interesting human. She uh, would think Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> and she was married six times. And I always joke, she had a martini in one hand and a man on the other. And she was tons of fun at a party, not necessarily, not necessarily fun as your mother. Uh, so I had to get deep about her life and her childhood and her stuff from just from gathering information. So again, the forgiveness journey, it really is a journey because you, you have to do some stuff and you have to and you can do it. This journey can be as long as you need it to be. Yeah. But I tell you, when you learn the tools, yeah. it, it becomes much quicker. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So we've really gotten there with our 
patients and people by stopping, hearing hearing their truth and hearing mm-hmm. their pain. Right. And then going in and saying, what do you know of your father's childhood and upbringing? Because we right. can always we can always trace it. And yeah. also when you picture the father as a as a vulnerable child going through his trauma, all of a sudden the anger turns to, oh, it's not excusing anybody, but I'm nope. understanding it. And right. then he didn't have the tools to show up as the father, you know, that was healthier in their presence. Right. And and there is empathy there. So it, right. it's amazing what that can do. And right. it just seeing that click and that shift. So let's talk about illness. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of amazing information out there about emotions and how we hold them and it makes us ill and and all that kind of thing. Um, It's and I also want to say it's not just illness, it's decisions we make due to our pain. Um, whether we're trying to cover it up and bury it deeper, we might choose to drink or, you know, all those different things. Um, but joy, um, your cells respond to happier happiness, right? So um, it, it's it's not a far leap to also say that anger, pain, um, smoldering resentment, um, all of those things, they affect our physicalness. They, and there's, there's great studies. I don't have them right at me, but I do talk about it a little bit in my book also. And I also work with this. I did a, on my podcast, I did this great um, interview with an amazing physical therapist. And she would be working with a patient and she they would be talking as she's, you know, working on them and they'd bring up a, an ex a divorce, a bad situation, angry mom, and she could feel their issue get worse. So she had them, she has them really start working, you know, taking deep breaths and feeling like what that's letting go. And, and her patients got better faster. Love it. Well, there's a lot, there's a lot of, you know, talk and documentation and I've seen it. I've worked with people who are holding on to that. I had even one woman, she was in her early fifties. She was dying on hospice and she said, it's, it's my anger that I've carried my whole life got me, you know, this way. And so there's a lot of truth to that. You know, energy gets in there, gets stuck. Mm -hmm. And if it's not processed, it, it starts to, it's going to rear its head one way or the other. So on so many fronts, it's so important for us. And I think it's, it's very interesting because I feel like midlife crisis is not a midlife mm-hmm. crisis like we've talked about. It's not like, oh gosh, I'm halfway there, so I'm going to go out and buy a really nice car. It's really an opportunity that we're in reflection of the whole journey up to that point. And it's really giving us a place to say, what do I need to process? And I've got to get to it. Might have some aches and pains. I might be living a life that I didn't want to because I've made all these choices based on living unconsciously with anger, unforgiveness, and all of a sudden, ooh, I find myself married to somebody I don't like, in a job I don't like, maybe behaving a way that I don't like, doing certain habits. And so I think it's a really great time to actually get real and get clear if you can. Um, But you can tap into this anytime, and it's about you. Forgiveness is about you, not the other person. It's not letting Mm. anyone off. Everyone's accountable for their actions, always. But isn't it great that you don't have to carry that weight 
So right. we want to let people know that it is really real and there's ways to do it. So I want you to share how people can get in touch with you and a little Great. bit more about your book that I'm going to put right here that is just amazing. So let people know so they can uh, definitely reach out to you and right. learn further. Well, um, also on the book, I, I want people to know that there's funny moments in it. Um, you know, laughter opens the heart. Sometimes sadness can slam it shut. And even in our tough moments, we can find a bit of laughter. It helps us get through them. Um, there's a lot of amazing deep books about forgiveness. And um, the reason I chose to make this one also a little bit lighter, a little more fun, was so that it would open you up to starting your journey and, and maybe even getting through it. Um, you can find me, Rev Misty, at revmisty.com, and that's R-E-V-M-I-S-T-Y.com. Also, Facebook, all the lovely social media, um, Instagram, everything, it's Rev Misty, pretty nice, sweet, and short. Um, you'll sometimes see Rev Misty Time, that's still me, um, that is, and yes, that is truly my name. Um, <laughs> So uh, please get a hold of me. Um, you can find my book um, through my publisher, Sacred Stories, also on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the major bookstores. So fantastic. Thank you so much for being with us and sharing all your wonderful wisdom because forgiveness, again, is, I think, one of the major keys to life. So I think yes. we all want to explore that possibility. So thank you, Reverend. All right, everyone, thank you so much for this episode of Ask a Dead Doula, and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks, everybody.